Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is sponsored by the Thrive Experience by Level. Thrive Experience is a premium daily lifestyle plan to help folks reach physical and mental levels. Contact my friend Uncle Troy at uncletroytroy79.level.com. Get thriving in all areas of your life. Enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Vital. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and make sure you join the Facebook group. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams. And we got filling in tonight as our fourth panelist, Paul Havocott. He is one of the best softball players in the state of Florida, multi-sport person, knows all kinds of stuff. Our special guest tonight is the current goalie for, hope I say this right, Eintracht Frankfurt, that's over in Germany. Um, she formerly played for Turbine Potsdam. That's probably said wrong, too. But um, in 2012, she was the number one recruit uh, in college. Went to the North Carolina Tar Heels, where she won an NCAA championship. She represented the United States uh, of America and won gold medals at the Under-20 Panama Tournament and the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, she's the only player to win a national championship and a World Cup in the same year. So we are honored to have here Brianne Heberlin. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We're, we're really happy to have you here. It's great to have a, a current professional athlete. You are our first current professional athlete. Oh, wow. Wow. You're making me feel a little old now. That should make you feel young. Yeah, but a current a current pro, I feel like I've been playing a long time. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, after the debate, uh, as always, we'll have a Q&A um, with Bree about her career. Tonight's debate is the greatest male and female soccer player of all time. And we're going to start out ladies first, and we're going to start with Kevin. Yeah, all right. So uh, I selected Marta. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna butcher the name here. Marta uh, Vieira de Silva, known as Marta. Everyone knows Marta. Uh, she's Brazilian uh, football player or footballer because they call it football down there. Who plays uh, currently for the Orlando uh, Pride? Who I believe is teammates with the professional that uh, Michael's gonna represent here. Um, uh, so she plays for the Atlanta Pride in the National Women's Soccer League. Um, Brazilian national team. Uh, she plays forward for those teams. Um, she uh, holds the record for the most goals scored uh, at the FIFA Women's World Cup tournaments. Uh, she is the first soccer player of either gender to score at five different World Cup uh, tournaments. So she's scored in five different uh, World Cup tournaments. First person to do that for either male or female. Um, and that was actually just matched in 2000, um, I believe it was 2019 by Christine Sinclair. Uh, she matched that feat, but um, Marta was the first one to do that. Uh, she's referred by many as the greatest female player of all time. Uh, she's been named uh, FIFA World Cup, uh, FIFA World Player of the Year uh, six times. 
um, five of them being consecutive from 2006 to, to about, I think it was 2010. Um, and then most recently, she also got that title in 2018. Uh, she's a member of the Brazilian national team that won silver medal at the 2004 and 2008 uh, Summer Olympics, so she's got two Olympic medals. Uh, she also watched uh, or was awarded the Golden Ball, which is an MVP player um, at the 2004 FIFA Under-19 Women's uh, World Championship, um, and both and won both Gold Ball Award as Best Player and the Golden Boot Award as the top scorer in the 2007 Women's World Cup, leading Brazil to the finals that year. In uh, January of 2013, uh, she was actually named uh, one of six ambassadors of the 2014 World Cup Games that was in Brazil. Um, she also appeared in a television documentary series called The Other Sport in 2013 as well. Um, 2016, uh, she was one of eight uh, people to carry the Olympic flag at the Olympic Games in Rio. Um, her playing style, I mean, she she's quick, strong on her feet, uh, feisty. Like, she gets in there, gets the ball. Uh, referred to by many as uh, in the sport as the greatest female player of all time. Um, she's renowned for her quick feet, exceptional skills on the ball. Um, she's also been compared to um, a great player, Ronaldinho um, and Pele. And Pele himself actually dubbed her as uh, Pele with skirt because, um, you know, she's the female. But um, she has great vision, great technical skills, uh, great dribbling at, at tremendous speed. You know, she can maintain her speed while taking the, the ball up the field. She can play in several different offensive positions. She's played center, striker, wings, midfield. Um, she's known for creativity, her scoring chances. She can create chances for her teammates like nobody else can. Um, and her, she has great teamwork with her teammates. She's a crazy goal scorer, great striking ability on the ball, um, accurate from penalty shots, set up uh, you know, shots, um, in addition to her uh, abilities, um, she's also really good uh, leadership on the field. She's a veteran, um, hands down, one of the best uh, football players. Um, and then kind of uh, off-field off stuff, uh, she was appointed by the Secretary General of the United Nations uh, as a sustainable development goals advocate. And basically, they had 17 goals uh, with the sets the, that set hopes of making the world a better place. And they only picked 17 people to represent that and help accomplish it. And she was actually one of them that the United Nations had picked. Great player, great person, hands down, one of the best female players of all time. So in America, soccer isn't as big here as it is in, in the world. I think, I think we all know that. It should be, but it, it's not. And we tend to, here in America, not recognize names from other countries as much as we would about some other women we're going to talk tonight. So, Bree, you're living out of the country, and you're obviously in the soccer game. How big is Marta, and who would you compare that to, say, like, as a, to a United States athlete? Yeah, so Marta is a huge name in the female soccer world, and, um, yeah, Kevin, you did a great job. I think you described her perfectly. I think one of the reasons that she stands out so much is she she scores every time she touches the ball, and um, she's extremely creative. And I think if you were going to try to compare her to a female athlete or a, an American athlete, it would be somebody who, you know, gets the job done. I'm not going to um, jump on the bandwagon, but maybe a Tom Brady. 
<laughs> I was thinking you know? Jordan, so. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm a huge Marta fan, but I'm also a goalkeeper. And, you know, it's all, it's all well and good that she scores goals, but she doesn't directly help me. So she's not my favorite her? player of all time, but she's one of the best for sure. Have you ever faced her? No, I haven't faced her, but I've I've watched her play in person, and I've um, yeah, I've been around her, and it's it's um, I've been around a lot of I've been really lucky to watch a lot of professional athletes: Nadal, Federer, Serena Williams, Tim Tebow. You know, big, amazing athletes in person. Watch them train and play, and it's an art form. You know what they can do and how easy they make it look, and she's right up there with them and how, you know, you touched on it with how fast she can run and dribble and be accurate at the same time. It's amazing. Good. So next we're going to go to the, the godmother of American soccer. That's going to be represented by Paul. Oh, that's Michelle Akers. Everybody knows she's the godmother. <laughs> um, I chose her because just like my friend Bree and I, She's from, uh, you know, she went to school in UCF here, so she's uh, kind of local. Uh, but the, the real reason I chose her is I liked, I liked how tough she was. I, I had read a fact where when she was younger, she walked off the field crying during a youth tournament. It wasn't going well, and um, she was going to quit, was kind of questioning whether or not she was going to have what it takes to apply herself. And I I think her father had a conversation with her asking her, you know, did you have fun when you were playing? And she realized that she did and did end up apply, applying herself. And so she ended up having a, a storied career. And so I looked at some of her achievements and I'll read those off in a second. But another thing that stuck out to me is in 96, she dominates this game she's playing in with a torn medial collateral ligament and she was playing a central midfielder role. And so she plays this game and dominates. And then after she's done with the game, she ends up having to have reconstructive surgery. So she ended up applying herself, I would say, and she was pretty, uh, pretty dedicated, but I'm showing some of the stats is over a hundred career goals. Um, she had uh, she's a world multi World Cup winner. Here's the um, let me go to the achievements that I found for her. 1985 scores a goal against Denmark in her first game of the U.S. national team. 1985 ESPN Athlete of the Year. 1988 inaugural winner of the Herman Award for National Women's Soccer Collegiate Player of the Year while at Central U UCF. 1990 U.S. Olympic Committee Soccer Player of the Year, 1990-91 Soccer Federation Female Player of the Year, 91 scores winning goal late in championship game as U.S. wins inaugural Women's World Cup 2-1 over China. She receives the Silver Ball Award. So I know, Kevin, so you had the Golden Ball. Uh, good for you on yours, but she had the Silver Ball, just so you know. Gold's better. Yeah, I know. I know. You can, we can debate that when Mike steps in and, and polices us. Uh, U.S. Olympic Committee Athlete of the Year in 91, first female American soccer player to sign shoe endorsement deal. That's key because I don't, even money, nowadays, money huh? Money talks, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, like, think about it. Think about how many women athletes, are, you know, are doing shoe commercials and stuff like that. We don't have enough. So I like that stat. 95 named U.S. 
Women's Cup All-Tournament Team, 96th member of the gold medal winning national team in the Centennial Olympic Games, scoring pivotal goal, 2-1 to one semifinal over Norway, 96th most valuable player in U.S. Women's Cup, 99 leads U.S. to World Cup victory again, despite injury against China, and that's in uh, Pasadena, California. And then my last two here, 2000, voted FIFA, uh, women's player of the century in joint pool of FIFA committee and FIFA magazine readers. And then arguably the best thing, the Wilma Rudolph Courage Award. I'm just kidding, but that's still pretty good. So um, I'm going with Michelle Akers, and I feel like I'm better than you guys because I'm supporting your local Florida athletes. Fair enough. Bree will so, side with me too, probably. So, so Bree, um, with, with Acres, I know you probably were only alive for the tail end of her career. <laughs> but what, is she someone that you looked up to, or you know, being an American from Florida? Never, never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I liked your analogy of uh, Marta being the the MJ, right? So, excuse me for not knowing his name, but who was MJ's, like, setup guy? What was Pippen. his name? Scotty Pepin. Scotty Pepin. That is Michelle Akers. Does the work, you know, just as good, does the, like, the grunt work, and doesn't really get, like, all the credit, doesn't, like, score all the points, but, like, without her, you know, there are not as many goals scored. And, you know, she, for me, when I think of Michelle Akers, I think of, I think of the player, like, your story, Paul, you know, she was the player that maybe cut her eye and didn't even come off the field, just played with the blood on her face. Yeah, she never, she didn't come out for injury very often. That's no, she was hard-nosed, tough, aggressive, super passionate. Yeah, a, a true inspiration. I mean, the one bad thing is that she went to UCF, so. <laughs> <laughs> she should have been a Tar Heel. She was supposed to be. Okay. Brian, I, I want to ask you a question. You, you obviously are our American football guru as an NFL. So Akers was part of, let's say, the landmark team that has started CTE research for soccer players. And that, that's obviously a big thing in football. So how important do you feel that is in soccer? Well, I mean, it, I, you know, they're obviously not going at the same sort of velocity and with the, you know, with the same kind of equipment as football. But I think it's, I think it's important really in every sport to, to, to really start, you know, digging down into this. And every sport has their specific dangers. And so, you know, for them to, to identify what they are in soccer and to, and to, and to really, you know, try and research because, you know, concussions can happen in any sport, really. So, um, you know, I think it's just, it's very important for every sport to get involved. And, Bree, you're a goaltender. You're out there jumping at that soccer ball, people trying to hit it. Have you had a concussion? Is this something you deal with? And what, what, are your, what are the concerns in the professional leagues you play in? Yeah, so actually when I was at school at UNC, um, North Carolina was actually one of the first schools to implement this study that I'm pretty sure is, is still going on, um, the CTE study. And every day in training, we had to wear monitors. So actually – uh, I don't know the specific stats, but female soccer players have more concussions than male football players. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's a, a substantial percentage, and it comes down to um, – it's just like in football, right? 
you're not supposed to be leading with your head. Um, so it comes down to not the smartest of decisions. But yeah, so we wore this monitor behind our ear every day and it measured the whiplash of your head. Like wow. the, uh, what, it, what kind of measurement is that? Like um, G's, like the G force of your neck whiplash. And um, I remember we had a, we had a, like a pregame practice and I got rocked in my face, the ball. And I wasn't upset at all. I just wanted to know how many G's my neck just snapped back. So yeah, I've had plenty of concussions. I try to save the ball with my head as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in every sport now, unfortunately, and and we're seeing a lot of the the older players having to deal with the repercussions of of the rules from the old times. Soccer, you got no helmet, so it's you're 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 throwing your head out there. It's very very dangerous. But let's move on to our next athlete. Going to be represented by myself, and that's going to be uh, Birgit Prince. Which uh, she's from Germany, so I'm sure Brianne's going to have something to say about this one. But um, you know, she played several sports growing up: uh, swimming, trampoline. But ultimately, went with soccer. Her dad was a, a coach, so I'm sure that helped. <laughs> um, she's very broad, brain, like five foot ten, kind of kind of big like myself. So <laughs> five foot ten, um, but. You know, she was had speed to go with that, which is amazing to get speed going with that. Um, powerful striker, accurate shot, of course. Um, she's considered the best European soccer player from the 90s and the 2000s. And uh, getting dark in here because of the storm outside. That might make it too bright, but it'll just. And then now individually, she has 23 awards for best player and goal leaders in various leagues, of course. Um, she is to Germany what Mia Hamm is to the United States, I would say. Like, if you know Mia Hamm in the United States, if you're in Germany, you, you know Prince. So she's two-time World Cup champion, three-time FIBA Player of the Year, three bronze medals in the Olympics, second all-time for women in World Cup goals. She's got 14. Um, she started for the Germany national team at 16 years old. Um and in club European leagues, has won 22 championships. That's an outstanding number. Plus uh, a championship in the United States of America playing in the Women's League here. Um, and she has six additional international championships. So clearly she has dominated um, on the field. You know, off the field, she was awarded uh, the Haitian Order of Merit for outstanding success of the personality in the community. And today she's a sports psychologist um, for soccer clubs and, and a motivational speaker. So much like Marta, just, just a, a great woman outside the sport as well, does a lot uh, to help out. And I would say she's probably the greatest European female soccer player, football player, however we want to call it today, uh, that, that has ever been. So... Brianna, as I said, you play in Germany currently. Is this name is this name Michael Jordan over there? You know, it's it's a huge name. Yeah, she actually played for the club that I play for now for like ten years. So um, it's a big name, and I've definitely seen her around. And you know, it's super interesting over here when you see 
um, somebody who's, you know, I have like fangirl. Like if I see somebody, if I saw MJ, I'd, ah, you know, <laughs> and I, when I see Birgit Prince or, you know, somebody else of that caliber, I, I don't even, I can't even say hi. I'm so nervous. And um, everybody else is just, oh, it's just Birgit Prince. But for me, she's a celebrity, you know? So, yeah, I, I definitely, um, I'm a huge fan of Birgit Prince. And, and she, uh, she kind of, for me, like, mixes Michelle Akers and Marta with the smarts and, like, the work ethic. Now, has she, like, shown up at your practices or anything at all? And you've got to, like, have her shoot on you? So, there's two other players of her era that, um, you're not going to know who they are, but I've been here for a long time, and I do know who they are. And they actually coach the second division team. And, um, you know, they're friends with her, so she'll just show up, and I'll get all choked up and not know what to say. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to our final female. That's uh, going to be represented by Brian. All right, I'm going to talk about Mia Hamm. Um, Mia Hamm, she was born in 1972 uh, down in Alabama, uh, obviously an American uh, uh, soccer player. She went to the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels and played five seasons there. Uh, four national championships in five years for that for that team, which is uh, pretty incredible. And she was uh, the main reason why they won those uh, national championships. For three consecutive seasons, she was the ACC Player of the Year. So she was very, very dominant. Um, on that on that club, which was the best club in the you know in, in the country um, at the time, and she set multiple um, uh, ACC records for you know for goals scored and assists, uh, which some of them still stand today. In two thousand three, she was named the ACC's greatest athlete ever, alongside of Michael Jordan. So we're looking at at that point in time, fifty years of the eight of the you know, Atlantic uh, Coastal Conference, fifty years of it, uh, any sport, and just her and Michael Jordan, they were named the, the, the greatest athletes from that era. So that is that, that's a uh, incredible claim there. In international play, she was the youngest to ever play for an international team. Um, she has the record for most goals scored in international play, male or female. Well, she had the record, and it was finally broken in 2013, but she held on to that record for uh, over 10 years. Uh, so that was tremendous as well. Um, she competed in FIFA four different on four different occasions. 1991, the team won the gold. 95, they won the bronze. 99, they won the gold. And 2003, they won the bronze. And she competed in the Olympics three times. 1996, uh, got the gold. 2000, got the silver. 2004 got the gold. Um, she was also the face of the Women's United Soccer Association. Um, she was the best player in that league, uh, you know, from 2001 to 2003. And um, she really kind of put that on the map. Uh, really, in a lot of ways, here in the United States, she put female soccer, you know, women's soccer on the map. Um, she was you know, very recognizable, a very marketable uh, uh, athlete as well. Um, she had, um, she was in, you know, Gatorade was, was pretty much her main endorsement, but she was in several others. And she was in that commercial, if you recall, with, with Michael Jordan, you know, that, you know, anything I, you know, you could do, I could do better. You know, she was doing things, um, uh, you know, showing that women could do, you know, just what men could do as well, you know, maybe even better. And, and that was, um, 
uh, you know, it was really a, a, just a big flex for um, for women's sports in general, uh, not just not just soccer. Um, so yeah, I, I believe, and you know, personally, that she's she's the best female player uh, uh, in in the history of soccer. You forgot the most important fact: she's married to Nomar, Nomar Garcia Parra. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah. yeah. All Bostonians love that man. Uh, I know my, my wife does, of course, being from Boston. But uh, Bree, is is she the biggest name in American soccer? And how big is she outside of America? And tell us a little bit about her game. Yeah, so Mia Hamm is also another one of those players that I've gotten to be around and get advice from and have kind of – by my side for four years at UNC. So what's really special about UNC is I don't know if it's like this in other sports or in other programs. I don't think it is. You know, in every practice, there's at least three or four retired alums, which means three or four world champions, three or four national championship winners, three or four, like, amazing female athletes. And they're there, you know, to show you support and and coach and just kind of give you their input. And that was remarkable to have that. You know, I remember my freshman year, Mia actually would join in training sometimes. So she would just jump in to, you know, hey, do it like this. And that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so it's sad. What you said, Brian, is so true. You know, she was super marketable and was kind of like the girl next door. Um, and in America, that was awesome. But overseas she's not really as well known as you would think she would be so you know i have girls on my team who when i say me a hand they don't know who she is wow yeah kevin and paul you guys both represented americans a quick answer from you both what made you choose your particular american over abby wambach because i know i'm going to hear that from people well mine was just personal i liked the grit that she worked through uh I, I could relate with some of her – unless you've played through injury and unless you've really – in my that's just my opinion, but it sounded like at a young age she had to sit down and analyze. You know, she, she had a crossroad. She was thinking, go on to something else that's too tough or something like that, but you could tell she just sat down and dedicated herself to the sport of soccer. So it's, yeah. for me it was just personal. I'm sorry. It wasn't Kevin who had the American. It was it was Brian. My bad. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, for me, it was just a familiarity. I've always admired her, uh, you know, me and him very much. And so, um, yeah, I think it was it was just that. And, and really, that was her career was really kind of broke the ice for me as far as you know getting into the uh, uh, the American soccer myself as you know as a fan. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you both on your choices for this reason, Paul. As I said earlier, your, Akers was the godmother. She put soccer, women's soccer on the map, I believe, in the United States. And then Brian with Ham, her name is the one that took it, you know, I don't want to say global, uh, took it nationwide, made it something bigger. The sponsorships, the marriage to a professional athlete, her play on the field, and, and then, of course, you know, her name is just known everywhere in, in the United States as far as soccer goes, so. So let, let's move on to our vote um, uh, before we go to the men. Uh, we'll start with Brian. Go ahead. Who are you voting for? Well, I'm going I'm to go with this uh, uh, Pele in a skirt. I mean, that was pretty impressive. Uh, uh, you know, Martha there, I mean, pretty impressive career. Um, and, 
you know, I'm going to be talking about a guy uh, a little later on that, you know, was like the main guy in a, in a, in a nation. And, and that seems like that was her role, you know, sort of carrying uh, uh, Brazil there. Um, Kevin. Um, I, it's kind of hard because uh, Mia Ham definitely uh, had a great career. And uh, like you said, she is huge in the United States, but like our guest just said, People don't really know her over there, which kind of, it's actually kind of shocks me because I think Mia Hamm, I thought Mia Hamm was like a household name everywhere. So, um, so I was kind of shocked by that, but I still think um, out of the other three, since I can't pick my own, because um, Marta is known everywhere, so I do feel she's the strongest, but um, I'm going to have to go with Mia Hamm still because she did have a huge role in, in America, uh, getting the, the women's team recognized and winning those titles and, and getting that started and making women's soccer I think is almost as big if not bigger than than men's soccer now because the women's soccer team's actually winning and <laughs> the men's isn't like and people are more excited about the women's team right now in America and and hopefully that will help grow the sport more uh, especially in in young females that are growing up and, and wanting to pursue the sport so I'm gonna go with me ham I'm, I'm going to take Acres, and, and believe it or not, and the reason why is because I don't know if we have a Mia Ham here in the United States without an Acres. <laughs> Paul with his victory lap there. Oh, very proud of that, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, she put it on the map here, in my opinion, for women's soccer, and I realize that's not a, a global thing, and soccer is a global sport, but most of our viewers are going to be coming out of America. <laughs> so that's, you know, part of it, but she was a great soccer player, um, as good as, I believe, as good as anyone we've talked about. And I, I love the Scotty Pippen analogy. That was very good. I like that a lot. So I'm going with Acres. Paul, I know this is your first time on the show. You can't vote for your own. Who are you taking? Uh, I feel conflicted here because I can't vote for my own, so I feel like I'm cheating. So if I'm cheating on my girl, Acres, I guess I would go with me and him and I – I get I, – I feel like what Kevin said is accurate for me, too. I I get that she might not be known worldwide, but you referenced it earlier. In the U.S., soccer, for whatever reason or another, legitimate or not, seems to have trouble gaining traction. And I remember when she was, you know, the it factor and all that. And so if you're talking about – a providing a surge to the U.S., I, I think Mia Hamm did that. I think she's she kind of dazzles in that sort of way. So I'm, I would go with Mia Hamm, but I feel guilty because I'm cheating on Michelle, but you know, can't vote for Michelle. Bree, you're up. All right, so I am also going to vote for Mia Hamm because I think that she is a player that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, she would still be one of the best players to play of all time. And... Yeah, that's tough to say about the other players, you know? I really wanted to represent Alex Morgan tonight, but... Uh, I, <laughs> well, that's why I said what I said earlier, because I thought you were. You and every other male, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, she's she's gorgeous, absolutely. Whoa, that doesn't <laughs> right. matter. That, that's true, but she's a great <laughs> soccer player. I mean, uh, look at her stats. She, In my opinion, she's up there with... with with everybody we've talked about today. But, all right, let's do our trivia question before we move into the men. Um, prior winners, you guys are still ineligible. Put your answers on the Facebook comments, Facebook group comments section. What was the total score for and against 
for the soccer championship games played in the following movies. Disney's The Big Green, Ladybugs, and Escape to Victory, which is my favorite because Stallone is in it. That's my goal one day to get Stallone on this show. So if you got those answers, hit it up on the Facebook group. We'll get your prize mailed out to you. Let's move on to the men. And going first for the men is going to be Brian. All right. All right. So we're going to talk about Pele. Um, he, uh, he was born in Brazil, 1940. He joined the Brazil national team at the age of 16. Uh, just became a became a huge star very early at a very early age. Um, in FIFA, 1958, they won the gold uh, for Brazil. 1962, they won the gold, and 1970, they won the gold. And that was all three that he participated in. Um, Copa America, 1959, silver. Uh, throughout Pele's career, uh, and this is at at each level. This was um, this was uh, true. He, he averaged nearly one goal per game. Uh, that, that's, that's a tremendous average because, I mean, all of us have watched, have watched matches where, you know, the final score is one to nothing or, or two to one or you're just not, you know, a whole lot of goals scored. So this guy was good for a goal per game. Uh, that, that's, that's, very, uh, um, that's very big. Now, he was um, – he's still the all-time leading scorer for Brazil uh, for, for their, their team and for his club – uh, team that he that he played for uh, Santos in, in Brazil, um, he's the top scorer for them as well. Six hundred and forty three goals in six hundred and fifty nine games. Um, he was just a national hero for Brazil. I mean, a guy, uh, you know, you sort of equate like um, like Manny Pacquiao to the Philippines or um, Roberto Duran to um, uh, to Panama. You know, that was the sort of uh, uh, thing that that Pele brought to brought to Brazil, um, you know, just, just a national hero, somebody that, that you know, that, that the whole country was behind. Um, West Germany's team captain, uh, a man by the name of uh, Franz uh, Breckenbauer, he once said, Pele is the greatest player of all time, and there's no one to compare him with. Uh, he, he felt that Pele was at this level that nobody could ever touch. Um, uh, FIFA... They actually had at the end of uh, you know at the year two thousand they actually had um, uh, they named a player of the century and that that man was Pele and the International Olympic Committee they actually called him the athlete of the century so of, of all the of all the Olympians in you know in the history all the way you know of uh, of that whole uh, that whole century they had him as the athlete of the century so. Uh, just a tremendous name. I mean, he's in a lot of ways the first name that you really think of when you think of men's soccer, in my opinion, and, um, and just just an absolute great. Well, what I will say about Pele is he's had he's had better teammates than anybody we're we're talking about tonight. He has players, um, you know, Alberto Santos, Rivliano. These are all guys who would be in soccer Hall of Fames. You know, if that existed, I guess, here in, in America or whatever. Um, great player in his own head. He's even better. If you hear some of the stuff that Pele says out there, you know, he'll let you know how good he is and, and how good other people aren't. So, you know, I when I, when I think of Pele, I kind of look at it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a hockey analogy. Like, I see Pele as Gordie Howe. Everybody knows who Gordie Howe is one of the greatest players of all time. 
But then there's Wayne Gretzky, who is like the greatest player of all time, you know. But Pele's that older name that is just going to hang on forever. Like Babe Ruth in baseball is going to hang on forever, even though there may be players who've come along that have been better. Uh, that's just Pele is the name of soccer here in the United States. Greed. Like I said, Pele, a huge name here. Was that one that, that you knew? I mean, he's obviously before your time. He's more closer to probably our time than yours. <laughs> uh, what, what are yeah. your thoughts on Pele? Yeah, no, I've, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he's uh, – I think the men's category is a lot different than the female category. It's definitely going to be a hard decision for the best player of all time. And for me, Pele is definitely, hands down, one of the best players of all time. He was really good dribbling, and and he was in the movie Escape to Victory with Sylvester Stallone. So that that raises him up in my book. That might make me vote for him just because of that. But all right, let's move on to uh, Paul. You're up next. I was hoping you would transition to me, so I, I quote my guy, my guy Diego Maradona, Maradona, I should say. And I'm going to quote him. He says, Pele should go back to the museum. So I'm glad I followed uh, Pele. <laughs> I got, there's a lot of Maradona quotes from Diego, or there's a lot of Pele quotes from Maradona. So uh, strong rivals, but um, I'm actually going to be quick on this because my reason for choosing him was I find this athlete to be so polarizing. And I can, you know, outside of the cocaine addiction, I can really relate with Diego. Maradona, but he's got four World Cup appearances, one in 1986. This is somebody who actually we just recently lost in November of uh, 2020, I believe. I think it was the 25th of November, born in 1960 in Argentina. Um, this person I would vote for just because of their overall contribution to soccer. So he played from 76 to 97. He's got over 338 career goals. But after playing, and this is so this is going to be one of my questions later on for Bree, so that's like a teaser. That's a radio tease right there. But he went on and managed and coached. So I think overall in terms of a career, you could argue that he had one of the greatest impacts on soccer, you know, compared to other players. But um, – you know, I'll finish, I guess, my touting of Maradona, which he's just marketable without even really trying to be marketable. I don't know what you could market for him because he, he's pretty, you know, polarizing in some ways. But I had some quotes I wrote down because I really like this guy. He, he's not perfect. He's human. But uh, he says, all the people that criticize me should eat their words. Um, my legitimate kids are Dalma and Gianna. The rest are product of my money and mistakes. <laughs> my mother thinks I'm the best, and I was raised to always believe what my mother tells me. I already read the Pele one. There would be no debate about who was the best football play footballer in the world had ever seen me or Pele. Everybody would say me. Uh, this is one I, I could relate with. I hate everything that comes from the United States. I hate it with all my strength. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, I am Maradona, who makes goals, who makes mistakes. I can take it all. I have shoulders big enough to fight with everybody. 
And so that was the one I'm going to end with because I think that's the one that best suits his career and, and kind of describes his career. Well, and he also went on to coach Argentina, mm -hmm. you know, for in the country. You know, yeah. he has a lot of, I'd say, a lot of dirt in his uh, his background. It kind of is what it is. You know, we'll see if that'll hold up. Uh, you know, the show is Legacy Battle. Legacy. We'll see if that legacy will be uh, part of not getting him votes. Kevin, you like dirt. I see you smiling. Is there something you want to say? No, I mean, I actually, uh, uh, Maradona, I, I had one of his, uh, like, action figures when I was a kid. So, um, you know, he, he was a great player. I mean, yeah, the some of the off-field uh, – Issues. I mean, that that does tend to tarnish people's legacies, as, as we've noticed in some of our previous battles. Um, but the man could ball. Like he, the media, they they coined him as like a classic number ten. Um, you know, he was a traditional playmaker. His vision, his ability to keep the ball close and under control. The guy wasn't a big guy, and when he was under pressure, he was able to to uh, keep those guys off of him and maintain the ball. Um, Great acceleration, quick feet, scoring goals left and right. He, he definitely was a great player. Um, but, yeah, just worry about some of the off-field stuff. He's, running, a, running he's a tough legacy. guy, too. He, he puts me in the mind of Akers, who was my female uh, choice. But uh, I saw this stat. I had to, Like, every time I looked for some information on him, I, like 20 different things would pop up. But said for his national team, Maradona crossed the ocean five times in 12 days and played on a hurt ankle. November 3rd, 1978 in Tucumán, after a friendly match where they had beaten the Cosmos, the great Kaiser, Frank Beckenbauer, advised that he asked for his T-shirt, uh, acknowledging he's probably the greatest Argentin Argentinian football player in history, probably the best football player in history, soccer, soccer player in history. So he was very respected. Maybe Pele didn't respect him, but he was very respected amongst his peers. He was a star when there was no stars, you know, yeah. that, that helped him. That same with Pele. Pele was a star when there was no stars. Yeah. He left. Your, your boy comes in. Now he's the star. That's probably why yeah. they don't like each other. And I think, you know, his off-the-field stuff could be held against him, yeah, but if we're just talking soccer, you know, he's, he's one of the best. But I think what pushes him over is in the managing career, you know, I don't know, like, you know, players could maybe talk to this, but I'm sure he – helped players with mistakes or, you know, preached from experience. And so I'd like to think that overall impact on soccer um, and learning from probably his past, you know, he's, he's probably a name for soccer. He's, he's a face for soccer. So Bree, obviously I want your, your thoughts on Maradona, but I also have another question to go with that as he was a coach. A lot of times, players don't make the best coaches. I'm sure you've had lots of coaches in your times. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, just like in every sport, just because you're a good player doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. There are some really important uh, aspects of being a good coach that typically good players don't possess. So, you know, typically a really good player, like the ones we're going to talk about yet, you know, um, these egoistic, selfish, you know, these type of people. It's like rock stars, you know. It's So for me, Maradona's a rock star. You know, he's he has his problems, but that makes him so good. So, um, yeah, you know, he has issues. Um, yeah, so for me, coaches is yeah, – I'd rather have somebody who studied the game than played the game. 
I agree. From I agree from my times playing sports. Uh, I had some people that played, and uh, I always liked the guys that hadn't played. So let's move on. Translate. Three said, "I love your pick, Paul. That was a great pick." <laughs> That's what she's telling you guys. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see who she votes for, but let's move on to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's uh, represented by me. Obviously, his biggest rival is Lionel Messi, who Kevin will represent next. Um, I want to do a whole show on those two one day, so that'll be coming down the pipeline, of course. But So, Ronaldo has a record for European gold shoes which are better than Paul's Silvers from his female player. And and five uh, Ballon d'Or awards, so that's that's a lot. He's 17-time top scorer in his leagues that he's played in. He's got 31 major trophies, seven league titles, most goals and assists in European Football Championship League uh, history, 770 career club, country, club and country goals, and over 1,000 appearances. This guy has been playing for a really long time. He's only the second male to score 100 international goals. He holds 16 world records, five Guinness Book of World Records, 53 European records, 11 Spanish, three Italian, uh, 11 Portuguese, and 10 club records. So he has more records than one could possibly imagine. Um, he's got 31 team championships and counting, I might add. He is still active. And two World Cups. Um, and ESPN, he was ranked the world's most famous athlete from 2016 to 2019. Um, he's been on the Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. Um, and his celebrations, he's really known for his goal celebrations. You can find a bunch of them on YouTube. He'll, he'll put on a little show. I know some other teams aren't always happy about that, but... Um, People in the stands go nuts for it. Um, he has more sponsors than any soccer athlete ever. So, um, you know, that's pretty big. And he's the first soccer player to earn a billion dollars in his career. And I always like these shows to say that money talks and this boy has some money. So, um, and just, you know, a little bit personal about him. You know, his father died of alcoholism at 52 years old. And that's why he doesn't drink. And there was a magazine article someone wrote that claimed that he was like at this party drinking and it wasn't true. And he sued them, you know, because he, he really likes to keep the, the body straight and narrow uh, to be in the, the prime shape that he can be in. You know, he also donates blood and marrow regularly. I dug deep <laughs> to find that out. His philanthropy, large and vast. I mean, millions of dollars he gives out to people. And of course he's, um, you know, he lives, as we were talking a few minutes ago, the rock star lifestyle. He dates the supermodel. He, uh, you know, spends a lot of money on a lot of things. But, uh, you know, he, I think, is the greatest soccer player of all time. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the, Kevin's argument uh, for his player, of course. But uh, three, uh, is he the most known player in the world right now, Ronaldo? Oh, for sure, for sure. Ronaldo is, um, you know, he's over here at least, you know, he's the, the action figure that the little kids play with, you know. So for me, Ronaldo is, um, 
the fastest, can jump the highest, can run the longest, can kick the hardest. He's the total athletic specimen. So there's this awesome documentary. I saw it years ago on Ronaldo. And, you know, he, he literally can run faster than Olympic sprinters. He can jump higher than, than Olympic volleyball players. You know, he can – they did this awesome test where somebody crossed the ball to him. And right as the person made contact with the ball, they turned the lights off. And then he finished it perfectly. So, like – just that glimpse of seeing the ball and then hearing the, you know, the sound of the ball, he knew where it was going to go. This guy is a freak of nature athletically. And another point to the rock star lifestyle is I, I'm a huge Ronaldo fan. He, you know, he really puts in the work. He lives, eats, breathes, dreams football. And it, it translates into his game. And, you know, he still puts in the extra time on a daily basis to be the best in the world. He's gotten a little older now, but he's still at the top of his game. Totally. Much like Federer and Nadal, they've gotten up there in tennis, but they're still on top of the game. So so let's segue into his, his rival, we'll say, and that's going to be represented by Kevin. Yeah. Lionel Messi. Come on, Messi. Messi's definitely the player of all time. Um, and, yeah, him and Ronaldo definitely have uh, the rivalry going. But, you know, Messi, he plays forward, he's captain for both uh, Barcelona, uh, where he plays in Spain, and, and the Argentinian national team. Uh, often considered one of the best players in the world and, and regarded as one of the greatest players of all time, hands down. Um, you know, he, he uh, has a record of six, uh, I might pronounce this wrong, uh, Ballon d'Or awards, which is basically player of the year. Um, at, at one point, that award and FIFA Player of the Year, they kind of merged and did a FIFA Ballon d'Or award. Um, but it's, it's basically Player of the Year. He has a record six of those, a record six European golden shoes. Uh, he has spent his entire professional career with Barcelona, <clears throat> where he has won a club record of 34 trophies, including 10 La Liga titles, four UEFA uh, Champions League titles, six Copas del Rey. He's a, a crazy goal scorer, creative playmaker, he holds records for most goals in the La Liga with 456. Um, a La Liga and European League season record, 50. Most hat-tricks in the La Liga, uh, 36 hat-tricks. In the UEFA Champions League, he has eight hat-tricks. Uh, he has the most assists in La Liga, 185. Um, and he has <clears throat> um, scored over 740 goals between club and country. So uh, Cristiano Ronaldo does have a few more uh, overall goals with the, with the club and country. But, you know, Messi, he was born in Argentina. He moved to Spain at the age of 13, uh, where he made his competitive debut at the age of 17 uh, in 2004. Um, he established himself as a player for the club that he was in within the, the next three years, which was Barcelona. His first full season was in 08-09. He helped Barcelona achieve the uh, first treble in Spanish soccer at age 22, and that's when he won his first Ballon d'Or uh, awards. Then he won four consecutive uh, of those, uh, making him the first player to win the award four times and making him the first player to win that many in a row. Uh, during 2011-2012 uh, season, he set the La Liga and European records for most goals scored in a single season uh, while establishing himself uh, as Barcelona's all-time top scorer. 2014-15 became the all-time scorer in the La Liga and leading Barcelona to their second treble, after which he was awarded his fifth 
uh, player of the year. Um, then he became captain in 2018. In 2019, he got the record sixth player of the year. Uh, Messi is his country's all-time leading scorer. Um, passed up Maradona. Uh, sorry, Paul. Um, at his youth level, he won uh, the 2005 FIFA World Youth Championship, finishing the tournament with both the golden ball and golden shoe. So this, this guy was doing this when he was a kid, too. Uh, he got an Olympic gold medal in 2008 for the Summer Olympics. Um, I mean, the style of play, he's left-footed, dribbler, comparison to Maradona. People have com compared him to him. Um, usually, uh, Maradona actually uh, described um, Messi as his successor, uh, which is pretty big for Maradona to say that. Um, after his debut, uh, in, uh, his senior debut in August 2005, he became the youngest Argentinian to play in the FIFA World Cup. Uh, which was the 2006 tournament, and he reached the final in 2007 Copa America, where he's named Young Player of the Tournament. As a squad's captain from August 2011, he led Argentina to three consecutive finals. Uh, 2014 World Cup, for which he won the Golden Ball. 2015-16 Copa America, he won. Uh, after announcing his international retirement um, in 2016, reversed, he reversed his direction and led his country to qualification of the 2018 World Cup. And they ended up placing uh, a third in the 2019 Copa America. He's been sponsored by Adidas since 2006. He's uh, established himself as their leading brand endorser, which is huge. Adidas is one of the biggest sporting uh, uh, company uh, for, you know, equipment, clothes, whatnot. Um, he was among Times 100 most influential people in the world in 2011 and 12. Uh, and in February 2020, he was awarded uh, the Laureus World Sportsman of the Year thus becoming the first um, play, football player, soccer player, and also the first team sport athlete to win that award. Messi just recently got the biggest sports contract in the history of sports. I don't know if you guys saw that, but about a week ago, his uh, contract was actually allegedly leaked uh, by a Spanish, I don't know if it was a, a newspaper or a media outlet or whatever, uh, but the dude's got a contract for $672 million dollars. And you don't get paid that money if you're not the best. So that right there proves hands down. You're getting paid that much money, you are the best. And his play speaks for it. I make that working for an insurance company, and I'm not the best. <laughs> Bree, let me, let me ask you, the rivalry between Messi and, and Ronaldo, is, is it more of a press thing, or are these two really competing with one another? Oh, I think they're such different players. I don't know if they have the same, you know, face-to-face -face rivalry as we all think they do. Um, yeah, they're different, completely different players, and, and I think, like, from their core as a person, they're completely different players. You know, Ronaldo is the very egocentric, selfish, it's all about me, I'm the team, me, 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 and I don't see Messi acting like that as much. I think Messi kind of puts the team on his back and says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna win this game today because of us as a team." So I don't even think they have that that rivalry between themselves. So if you were starting a team, I know you would take a goaltender because you're a goaltender. But of those two, which one would you want to start a team with? Yeah, so I always think of like who I wouldn't want to play against. You know, in training, when we're picking 5v5 teams, I always pick a player that I don't want to play against, and I would not want to play against Ronaldo. Okay. So I would choose him. All right, let's move on to our vote. Brian, who are you taking? 
I'm going to go with Ronaldo. Um, I really like the fact, I mean, he has just amazing instincts. Um, and, and he combines that with, you know, with, with discipline and a, and a lot of self-sacrifice. So that, that's just all the ingredients of, of a, just an absolute superstar all, in, all wrapped into one. So I'm going to go Ronaldo. I'm going to go Messi. Um, I do believe Ronaldo is better, but I can't pick Ronaldo. Um, I believe, actually, I believe they're really like 1A and 1B. They're that close to one another as far as their skills go and, and their popularity around the world. You know, there's ones in Europe, ones in not in Europe, South America, you know, the United States. They're, they're both huge names right now. I believe their names have surpassed Pele and, and Maradona, uh, not just in America, but in soccer in general. So I'm taking Messi. Uh, Paul. Blaine Harris. I guess I'd do Ronaldo. Okay. He's up there. It's I would have gone with Kevin, but Kevin, too many shots at me in that speech. So <laughs> that's how close it is. That's something that little can sway me to the other side. <laughs> Kevin, who are you taking? Uh, Maradona. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, you know, this might be a first that uh, the brothers take each other's players. Um, I, I really, I, I want to say Pele just because, let's be honest, like, when we were all growing up, you know, Pele was the name. Like, when you talk about soccer, like, it, it was Pele's name that was that was always coming out of people's mouths. It, it wasn't anyone else's. Name. I mean, even Alexei Lawless was, like, the biggest American player at the time. Uh, that I can remember, but I'm going to have to go with Ronaldo. He, I mean, like you said, him and Messi are definitely neck and neck. They're the big names right now. They're the ones carrying the sport right now. Um, and soon, I don't even think you'll be hearing Maradona or Pele's name. Soon, you'll just be hearing Messi and Ronaldo's names. I, I like your point a lot there uh, about when we were growing up, Pele being the name and, yeah, Alexei Lalas, he was – kind of, I guess, the American that was current for us. I always liked Tony Miola, but I was a goalie, so, you know. That's, uh, Brianne, who are you taking? I'm going to go with Ronaldo. I think that he's, you know, he is the guy that he could literally play any time period in the future or the past and be the best. Okay, our winners tonight are Mia Hamm and Cristiano Ronaldo. So a win for me and a win for Brian. I get a lot of wins on this show. I like it. <laughs> All right, let's move into our Q&A. Brian, you're in the upper corner, so why don't you start? Uh, okay, well, my first question is, why did you become a goalkeeper? Yeah, so my dad was a goalkeeper, and um, he actually, like, banned me for playing goalie. So, I, you know, when I was little, I played, you know, kick around, like, t-ball soccer, right? And um, he would take me to every practice and, you know, he had to work late one night or whatever. So my mom took me to practice and that was the first night I ever went in goal without my dad being there, you know, so he wasn't there to not let me go in goal. And I loved it. I was like a pig in mud. I was rolling around the ground. It had rained all day in Florida. So I loved it. I was sliding around. It just stuck with me. Paul, go ahead. I don't know Brian all that well, although I think we've become good friends. Um, but I bet you that she has never done an interview and not been asked that question. But I guess 
<laughs> I want to go into that a little bit further because I'm, the positions on the field, I'm more into the, into the psychology of it. So, like, when I think of goalkeeper, I, I think of, like, a quarterback just because we're coming up on the Super Bowl. But goalkeeping is probably so much harder because you're that last stand between scoring and not scoring. You seem like you would be isolated. You seem like you would be alone at times. So my question for you is you're, you're doing what a quarterback does. You're scanning the field, a quarterback scanning the routes, you know, looking at the pressure or you're looking at the pressure, but you're probably segregated from your team a lot. So how do you handle the pressure of being that face of either scoring or not scoring because your your plays can either keep that for hap- from happening or allow that to happen? And how do you keep connected with your teammates because you're probably not, you know, practicing with them or you know you're not a quarterback's in the huddle, but you're not. Sometimes you're you're just in the goal there alone. So how do you manage those two things? That's a great question. I think. Um... You know, if I was to do it again, I probably wouldn't play goalie. Um, Honest. Yeah, so, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we wear a different colored jersey. We have a different coach. We usually train on a different field. Um, we use different body parts. It's a completely different sport. And um, trying to keep the – I always just explain it as, like, I just want my other players to respect me. So the way that I usually gain that respect is just like quarterbacks do or, like, kickers. You know, a lot of football players don't respect kickers. But the – I don't remember who he was a kicker for, but he got named, like, hardest working in the NFL or best body in the NFL. He was a kicker, and, you know, he literally trained every day. And so my thing is, like, to gain their respect, I always – you know, I'm one of the fittest players on my team, so I, I just run until I can't run anymore just so that they respect me more as a player and not just a goalkeeper. So just things like that, you know, always trying to gain the respect. If I jump in on the field, I try to do my best and score 10 goals. So so I understand many years ago, back at Berkeley Prep, you broke your tibula and fibula. Mm-hmm. So... Tell us about the recovery process to get back to, like, elite status. And I heard that Abby Wambach called you. Yeah. You must have talked to my dad. I I did not, no. (laughs) Yeah, so I broke my tib-fib in a high school soccer game. And at the time, I was playing club soccer at the Clearwater Chargers. And my club team was stacked. We had, like, so many good players on the team. You know, 15 players played college soccer. And half my club team played at CCC, Clearwater Central Catholic. And that was the team that I broke my leg in, in the game. And, um, you know, it was, it was devastating. One of the hardest things I've ever been through to be, um, you know, I had a metal rod put in my tibia. So from my kneecap to the top of my ankle is a, a metal rod with two screws. So it's like a golf club now. Um, and, you know, I was in a wheelchair for two months. I was in a walker, crutches, you know, the whole the whole stage. And I was in high school, you know, so I'm wheeling around Berkeley doing wheelies. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I actually um, – I took my SATs like three days after I had surgery. 
And it was a really important time because I had all these, these colleges that I was looking at and, you know, women's soccer isn't men's football. We still had to get a certain grade on SATs. And one of the schools I was looking at was Stanford and there was a high expectation. I was on pain meds, post-surgery, taking my SATs. It was a nightmare. So yeah, tip to at, I think I was 17, 17 or 18. It was pretty rough. But Abby Wombat calling me in the hospital after surgery was pretty cool. She had actually suffered the exact same injury like a year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she had called me and, hey, I want to wish you best of luck and, you know, you're going to be great. And it was amazing. Kevin, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, so I just um, want to know, I mean, you, you played for college, North Carolina, Tar Hills, and then uh, – you end up going to Germany. How long have you been in Germany, and, and how did you get out to Germany? Like, what brought you out to Germany to play professional soccer? So this is my sixth season in Germany. I played two years at Tribuna Potsdam, and now it's my fourth season at Frankfurt. And, you know, I, I grew up, and, you know, typically American goalkeepers are one of the best in the world, you know, kind of the cream of the crop. But typically, you know, to become one of the best in the world – you need to go somewhere else and get the experience. And a lot of American goalkeepers have played in Europe, especially in the German Bundesliga. So I kind of always had my eyes set on getting overseas and the opportunity arose to join the team in, in Germany. And I graduated, graduated high school early to go to college early. So I gray shirted, right? So I came in the spring in college. So I'd be ready for the fall. And then I graduated from UNC, you know, obviously in December, and I, I flew to Germany with two suitcases like 10 days later. So did you try out or was it like a thing where they like invited you or how did Yeah. So I was really fortunate. I had, you know, signed a contract basically before I got there, they needed a goalkeeper and um, being an American goalkeeper with a resume, you know, it, it went a long way. And I, um, I struggled for a while to make a name for myself in Germany because the playing style is extremely different, but I think I've acclimated so far. Right. Well, that that kind of leads into my next question. I was wondering, is there any differences between um, American soccer and German soccer? What are, what are the, um, you know, the, the differences? What are some yeah, so there's some stereotypes that go along with American soccer. So, you know, one of them is that American soccer is just kick and run super athletic, right? So if you think about it, some of the best athletes in America, female athletes play soccer. It's not always like that, you know, with uh, men's sports. It's probably one of the biggest reasons why our men's team isn't very good. You know, the best athletes play other sports in America. So the style is extremely different. So in America, it's just pure athleticism. You know, there's an emphasis on skill, but the game is a lot faster in America. Um, in Germany, it's a lot more sophisticated and um, in the same token, it's also a little behind because they're trying to play catch up with uh, the Americans and the speed and strength and aggressiveness. So um, it's getting there. It's a little different. Um, yeah. Paul. My second question is basically, I watched a talk you gave once, 
I don't know if it was recent. I think it was a couple of years ago, but you were talking about being a woman soccer player and why you ended up going to Europe because you, I give you credit because you believed in your career and the contracts were better over there than they were in the U S and it takes a lot of faith in yourself to make a jump like that. And I could tell you were nervous during the talk, but I really, really liked it. I think you probably inspired a lot of women by doing that talk. I could tell how hard it was and I, I really enjoyed that, but in that talk you mentioned, and I don't know if this stat is still true, you said in the time you'd been playing soccer, you'd only had one female coach and she was an assistant coach. And you went on to talk about another coach, a male coach that you had connected with and he helped you with calming you down and giving you some advice on slowing things down and breathing and stuff like that. So in the NFL, they're starting to see a lot of women's coaches pop up like Jennifer King and Lori Locust, Katie Sowers. When you're done as a player, I know I teased this earlier and you mentioned that doesn't always mean you're a good coach, but would you be interested in coaching or are you, are you going to do something to advocate for women's sports? What's next? Yeah. So the first point about having a female coach is still true. So currently I have six coaches. I have a staff of nine and there's one female. She's a, the athletic trainer. So yeah, female coaches in the, like in the elite levels is super rare, especially in the female game. And that's pretty sad. Um, unfortunately, I don't think coaching is, is my next step. Maybe one day down the road, it could be something I would enjoy. Um, I'm looking for kind of, uh, you know, a fork in the road, kind of a different chapter. Um, something that I can, challenge myself with you know I've become pretty comfortable with the game and it doesn't seem like it wouldn't be scary to try to be a coach and I, I would like to choose something that's a little bit more challenging and you know I, this is a joke but like I really want to make my parents proud of me and I think being a soccer player is kind of you know it's made them proud but I'd like to do something that they can you know even jump up that level of proudness about mission officer or <laughs> doctor doctor breeze it's the next step are you interested in med yeah yeah yeah. so i'm i'm currently taking some prereqs to try to go back to school excellent kevin go ahead so uh, you know one of the big topics that we've been mentioning throughout this whole podcast today is soccer is not as big in america um now I, I remember when i was in college you know, watching the World Cup, um, and, you know, America was actually doing pretty good at that point. Um, I think that's the year, like, they made it to, like, the second round of the playoffs or whatever. And, you know, fans seemed to be excited, like, you and, like you felt it. Um, so my question, I guess, is the normal atmosphere here in America is eh, soccer. Yeah. Over in, in Europe and in other countries, like, soccer is the main sport, like, Fans are a lot crazier over there. Like they're really into it. Kind of, what do you, what have you noticed about the difference in the atmosphere, and how do the fans treat you differently over there as they do here to players? Totally, that's a great question. So, you know, when you walk down the street in Germany, yeah, every bar, every cafe, every restaurant, there's a soccer game on. There's no football games on. There's no tennis on. It's soccer every day of the week. 
And you know, the typical, the typical German, you know, they come home from a long day and they pop a beer open, they sit on the couch and they watch a soccer game. <laughs> and that sounds miserable to me. I would hate to do that. I hate watching <laughs> average soccer. But you know, I can't imagine an American guy, you know, popping a beer and watching like a run of the mill every night. That's, you know, they don't watch sitcoms. They watch like the third division teams play. So it's way bigger over here culturally. They don't have any, you know, other big sports. It is soccer. So um, it's different. And the fans are awesome. The fans are really cool. My last name is Heberlin and it's actually German. So I like incognito snuck in to be a German. So at first, you know, I didn't have to deal with that. Like, Oh, you're a foreigner, you know, they just automatically liked me because they thought I was German. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get you out of here with this question. It's a two-parter. Um, I was wondering, one, is the Brianne Heberlin Foundation still active? And if so, can you tell us about that? And the second part is, is I understand that you're quite a prankster. And, uh, I was wondering if maybe you could tell us what your, your biggest prank would, was on somebody. Sure. So first part of the question is, my foundation, um, yeah, so I actually started this foundation when I was in high school. I was a freshman or sophomore. I played in the under-20 qualifying tournament, and we played against Haiti. And prior to the tournament, you know, two weeks before, this massive earthquake uh, hit Haiti and devastated their country. And, you know, it, it really hit home for me because I could relate to these girls. And, you know, we were the same age. And we both love soccer and, you know, you, I was young, I was 16, 17, and we played against Haiti in the tournament. We ended up beating them 10 or 12, zero and, and us beating them meant they had to go home. So they had been in Panama for two weeks, living at a hotel, eating three meals a day, playing the game they love with their best friends, but they had to go home to their country that had been devastated. You know, no, they didn't have a house anymore. They lost parents, relatives. They lost so much. And, um, you know, playing against them really sparked like an interest in, in me wanting to help them. So I, my parents and I, and my friends and my teammates, we all um, kind of got together and, and decided we wanted to do something. So long story short, I ended up um, going to Haiti and then seeing kind of what had happened and firsthand. And I brought with me I don't know the exact stats anymore, but, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of supplies and um, ended up bringing the entire Haiti delegation of 30 to Florida for two weeks to play in a friendly tournament. And they stayed at the at Disney Hotel and and um, I actually couldn't be there. I was at the World Championship with the under 20s. So my parents and my grandpa kind of ran the whole thing and you know, they played against local club teams and they got to go to the amusement parks and they got to kind of just be the teenagers that they were, you know, and that was instrumental in my, you know, career as a, a player and a human. And, you know, it's way bigger than the game. It just connects us all. Right. Is it still active? Can people still donate? Yeah, people can still donate. Um, unfortunately, I've been pretty dormant with with what I've tried to do. Um, originally, the goal was to try to get a lot of those players to come over to the U.S. to go to college and play soccer in college. You know, that was kind of the logical step for them. 
Um, it proved to be very difficult. So, so, yeah. so send, send me the link and when we post this show, we'll make sure we put the link up. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then, and then the prank. Tell me the prank. The yeah. I'm, I'm a prankster. I love to have a good time. I just, um, you know, we play soccer, you know, this isn't rocket science and we got to have fun. So, you know, I've been known to pour water on somebody in the middle of the night, ice buckets of water or. One of my favorite, this is, I don't know if this is appropriate for the talk show, but you guys will probably get a kick out of it is, you know, we were in South America somewhere and, you know, you know what Icy Hot is. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my teammates was from Hawaii and she was taking a shower and, you know, we put Icy Hot places of her clothing that shouldn't have been Icy Hot. So, um, you know, it was a a very interesting reaction. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so little can I, I, I'm a fan of. Can I piggyback off that real quick? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I actually played uh, when I was a kid. I played on a traveling cup team uh, called Arsenal FC, and we travel up and down the East Coast of the United States playing tournaments. And our coach was, I guess he was like semi-pro or he was pro. And um, you had mentioned icy on. I was actually thinking about asking this question too. Is there any kind of like weird things that? players would do or superstitions they would do uh, before games because he would actually take Icy Hot and he'd rub it in his inner thigh groin area because it would keep him moving. So if he would mm-hmm. stop, it would burn. Yeah. And that would keep him running the whole game. So like, was That's there anything kind of weird like that? Yeah, we have some weird ones. I have a teammate who her normal personality is like the Energizer Bunny. I mean, she doesn't stop moving. She doesn't stop talking on the field. It's like... Can you shut up? And then to add to that, she drinks a Red Bull before every training and every game. So in the locker room, she's sipping on Red Bull. And it's just it's just crazy. And she can't play without it. So she doesn't need it. Wow. Well, we want to thank Brianne Heberlin for joining us tonight. Great to talk with you. I want to remind everybody to join the Facebook group page and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And... Um, We'll get that link out for her charity when we post this show. So hope maybe people will donate some money out there. So just thank you again for joining us, and everyone have a great night. Thanks, guys.